mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the wokest of them all? <laughs> listening to the physics of life and love podcast i'm your host udochio kk you are currently i today i'm going rogue once again um as you can see my sister kiki is not on this episode um but i promise it's going to be a sweet one today's episode i really want to talk about the fractal universe this is a concept that i have been very intrigued by for a while now um the the concept of the fractal universe is something that I think I may have been first exposed to a few years back, um, more than five or seven, five or so years back. Um, when I was working at a uh, alternative health clinic and, um, the, per, the and I, and I saw, heard, saw they, they had this CD by a guy named Greg Braden, Greg Braden spelled G R E G G B R A D E N. Greg Braden, um, talks a lot about consciousness and, and, um, um, like getting to the next level of consciousness, human consciousness shift and stuff like that. And I found him very intriguing, especially the concept of the fractal universe. He, he talks about, he, he calls it fractal time, but I really think that it's a fractal universe. Let me tell you what I mean. So a fractal is, um, a, like a never ending pattern. Uh, there's a fractal foundation website, fractalfoundation.org. And if you look for their article about what is fractals, they'll say a fractal is a never ending pattern. Fractals are infinitely complex patterns that are self-similar across different scales. They are created by repeating a simple process over and over in an ongoing feedback loop driven by recursion. Fractals are images of dynamic systems, the pictures of chaos. Now, A fractal, for example, is something that is like a repeating pattern. So, um, you, you start, you, you created a recursive loop, like a feedback loop. Um, if you're a coder, you understand what I'm saying. If you're not a coder, think of it like the song. This is the song that doesn't end. Or, oh, here's a better, cause I don't, I don't have to sing and, and hurt your ears. Um, I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? I know you are, but what am I? Like you keep saying that over and over again. Um, the song that doesn't end, I'll just say it instead of singing it. This is the song that doesn't end. Yes, it goes on and on, my friend. Some people started singing it not knowing what it was, but they'll continue singing it forever just because this is the song. It's almost like this is the song that doesn't end. Yes, it goes on. It just keeps going on and on and on. It starts somewhere and it keeps going and repeating itself. But the interesting about, and it's the same loop, it starts where it ends and then it starts again. And so, um, what it's interesting about fractals is that when you, when you create a mathematical function, um, that produces like a, an image, a graph or whatever you'd say, for example, you put a point on a, on a, on a Cartesian plane or a plot, you plot a point, And then, I mean, if you're a mathematician, you know what I'm talking about, but you, 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 you plot, you, you stick a point on a, on a, on a graph between two, between like point A and point B, you stick a point halfway across between that. Then you tell the math, the mathematical function. Okay. Also put another point here between point B and point C, and then put a like halfway between, like you give it exact location. And then you're like, okay, stick another point halfway between the first two points. Now stick up a, halfway, another between halfway between the second two points, then halfway between the other point. And so you keep doing that same pattern over and over again, you create a recursive 
system in terms of like you create a system where that same pattern is duplicable and will continue to repeat endlessly. And what you'll find most of the times is that when you keep doing that with the points and the lines and you start to trace those points and see where, what type of image is being produced. First, it starts off looking like just a bunch of chaos. It's a bunch of dots and lines. Then what happens is it starts to, and I had one of my math professors actually was like a genius in fractals. Like he was like a very well-known person of creating fractals and stuff like that. And what happens is they start to become, they start to look like organic, organic, uh, things like things that exist in nature. You start like when you do that, when you create, you know, create these fractal images, it starts to look like organic or or get like real life things. And it's very interesting. It's a very interesting concept. And what's, what you'll see also, for example, it starts to look like a face. Like if you do the fractal for like million, like, like, you know, you know, millions and billions and trillions of iterations, it starts to look like you might start seeing things like faces, like plants, like things that really look like organic, um, organic, uh, structures. And, you know, it's very interesting because, you know, it, 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 it question, it begs to question, like, can chaos come from order come from chaos? And a lot of people do, you know, big bang type stuff do believe that it does like big bang, big, big bang type stuff. Um, and it, you know, it really makes me think like the, the thing that the image that Greg Braden painted that made me start thinking about the, uh, uh, life as a fract, uh, us having a fractal universe is he said that, uh, when he was a kid, he always noticed that an atom with its nucleus surrounded by all these electrons reminded him of a solar system with the sun in the middle surrounded by planets. And I thought there was a very, like, really, what's the word? It was like a very ingenious thought because you look at the new, you look at an atom with the nucleus surrounded by electrons and you look at the planet. It's like, you look at the smallest possible thing, which is an atom. And you look at the largest possible thing, which is a solar system or even a galaxy. They both have the same shape, which is a nucleus in the middle or the sun or whatever the case may be. And then, um, or like a black hole, I think galaxies have black holes in the center and then orbiting around it is these things, these atoms, these, I mean, these electrons, these, and that was actually a big thing that inspired the, the physics of life and love podcast, which is the concept of the fractal universe, because I believe that these patterns go much further and much deeper than we actually realize. I think that these fractals, these, this fractal universe actually exists in like behavior too, like behavioral science, like um, human social sciences as well. That's why I came up with the concept of the physics of life and love, because you can come sometimes see physics equations playing out in the way we behave with one another. So you're looking at just the physical body of an atom versus a solar system or a galaxy. And then you look at the people interactions, like the behavior of those atoms. And you find that sometimes the behavior of the physical behavior of atoms and particles mirror human behavior and human or, or is it human behavior that mirrors atomic and, um, you know, atomic behavior as well. So I don't know. I, I, I want to hear what you guys think, but I just wanted to bring that up because I think it's very, a very interesting concept. Um, 
and it, and I started thinking about it today in terms of, um, society. Um, what, what, if, if, if I'm correct and we do live in a fractal universe and you know, everything mirrors each other and, and smaller things are a, um, smaller things are the, like the mini miniature version of larger things. Um, and then wait, let me just say something about Greg Braden. So Greg Braden doesn't talk about fractal universe. He talks about fractal time and he talks about this thing called choice points. So he says that, excuse me, smaller events in our life. And I think fractal time to fractal universe are like one in the same. They're like the same concept, just looking at it from a different angle. Um, like for example, he said that everything in, everything in society and life happens in cycles. So we're talking about time here. So that what happens, the events occur in cycles. So there are smaller cycles like seasons, like, uh, winter, summer, spring, and fall, winter, summer, spring, and fall, winter, summer, spring, and fall, winter, spring, summer, fall. Um, these things happen cyclically every year. The same cycle of events happens every year, winter, spring, summer, fall, winter, spring, summer, fall. And depending on where you are in the world, your cycle may be different, but the cycles consistently, they're generally consistent. And, um, I think it's very interesting that, um, that then he, he goes on to say that like there are cycles that are other cycles that will come to you. Like, for example, if you look at economic cycles, like how the re- depressions and recessions happen, um, like every hundred years or so they anticipate a great recession or depression, whatever. I don't know. But, um, they, there's like every hundred years or so there's like a huge crash that they anticipate, uh, because it's happened. Uh, but the funny thing about that concept is capitalism didn't always exist. So they're only talking about modern times, supposing a new system, new world order happens as people like to throw around that phrase, which I think is poppycock, but supposing there's a new world order in which the economic system is based on something completely different. Will we still anticipate to have a hundred years, every hundred years of recession or would something change? And that's what Greg Braden now goes on to talk about in terms of choice points. He said that if you can predict, if you can identify the cycles and the points in the cycles that occur, like how frequently, like how often those cycles occur, then you will be able to make a different decision at a particular choice point. You like, if there's a point in this cycle where it's like, okay, this is the seed event. He calls it a seed event. If you can identify a seed event, like this is the thing that changed, that began this cycle, then you can go to that seed event, that moment and change the direction of the, 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 what's going to happen in time. And I think this is very interesting. I don't think it's that cut and dry because if you look at chaos theory, there is something called the butterfly effect and the butterfly effect can be described by, um, a concept from, uh, a book, uh, called, I can't remember what it's called. Something like the sound of thunder. I think it was called sound of thunder. And basically there was a, people went on a, on a, on a, there was a time machine. People could go back in time and, and, and shoot, um, and shoot Tyrannosaurus Rexes, but they were going to shoot the Tyrannosaurus Rex, the, the, but they were, we were given strict instructions. They were like, only shoot the Tyrannosaurus Rex that we tell you to shoot because that Tyrannosaurus Rex, we already knew he was going to die anyway. Do not touch anything. Do not look, you know, don't do anything. Just stay on the path. We're telling you to, and, and shoot the Tyrannosaurus Rex that we point to, and you know, it's about to die anyway. Just, you know, come on. So 
a particular person on the spaceship or the time time machine got scared at the last minute and ran back to the ship and he has some mud on his shoe. So, you know, they were like, did you change anything? He's like, no, I didn't change anything. So he goes back and then they're like, they're looking at him. Then they're looking around because they were afraid that like, if he touches anything, if they change anything in the past, it's going to change the entire future. So they got back on the spaceship. They went back after this guy ran back into the spaceship early and lo and behold, he had a butterfly stuck in the mud of his shoe, which means he killed a butterfly when he was running back to the spaceship prematurely. And so they looked around and they saw that there were some changes in the office when they reached back to their time. And there was a person, like there was a person at the desk who he started talking weird and there were images, like everything was like, things were the same, but they were different. And so, um, next thing you know, like one of his shipmates killed him or something like that. I think that's how it ended. But anyway, it's a short story. Um, look up the sound of thunder and short story. I don't know who wrote it, but you know, you'll find the story. It's, it's, it's very, it's a why it's a popular, widely known in academic circles, um, story that illustrates the butterfly effect, which kind of just says that like any little change you make in time will change like the entire course of things. And I think these two concepts of fractal universe and the butterfly effect chaos theory are not mutually exclusive. I think that the concept that things happen in cycle in like a predictable cycle is not mutually exclusive from the idea that a small change can affect everything. Um, because if you look at the chaos theory and what they're saying about this butterfly effect, they say that the flapping of a butterfly wings can change the dynamic of like, it can create a tornado in, um, in Texas. And you know, like the flapping of butterfly wings in New York can change a turn, can create cause a tornado in Texas. But it's not just the flapping of that butterfly though. It's all the things, I mean, yes, the flapping of the butterfly can be like the effect of the compounding of butterfly wing flaps can cause a tornado in Texas, but it's, but that butterfly wing flapping is not an isolated event. It is something that so many things are affecting different things. And even though if you were to isolate things and look, look, try to look at exactly because that's what physics usually does. It isolates things and it tries to look, okay, if gravity was this, if, you know, if if everything existed in a vacuum, like physics is completely based on the concept of what if you took away all, uh, all, uh, everything that could be, could affect this particular outcome. What if you took away all the um, underlying factors, for example, what if you took away the concept of, uh, air? What if you took away the concept of resistance? What if you took away? And they just look at this one particular part of the problem. And that's how they are able to, um, conceptualize, um, something. And then they start adding other things to that, 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 that thing. So for example, if you're trying to figure out how to make a plane fly and trying to figure out the mathematics, math equations for it, you're not going to just going to start right drawing pictures of planes and doing, you're going to break it down into the smaller pieces. Okay. If the wing, if the, if the plane is, is going, you know, the lift versus the drag, like the plane going up versus forward 
and you're going to look at the angle of the wings. And these are all little parts that are going to ultimately compound to create a larger effect of the plane taking off. And even when pilots are in the cockpit, they're looking at the wind resistance. They're looking at all kinds of things, all types of factors that are affecting that plane staying in the sky. So um, I think it's important that we don't negate the fact that, I mean, if we're trying to think about the butterfly effect and fractal time at the same time, um, we have to think about the fact that these things don't happen in isolation. So they are not mutually exclusive. If you look at the butterfly effect at the flapping of the wings, you also know that a lot of things are affecting, are causing that butterfly's wings to flap. And a lot of things are, and like that butterfly wing effect also has a lot of effect on on the rest of, on everything else that happens in the world. So what am I saying? There's a song that Beyonce recently came out with called Bigger. And in the song, she says, um, you, if you think that you're, if you think you're insignificant, you better think again. You're part of something more, way bigger. And she's like, um, that she's basically going on and on about how we're all part of a larger story. We're all part of a bigger plan. And, you know, we, and you should never feel insignificant that your voice matters. Your actions matter. Everything you do matters in the bigger picture. So I really found that song inspiring. I really, really did. And I thought it was a beautiful song. I found it very, very inspiring. And the reason I found it inspiring is because I really believe in that concept that we are all part of something bigger. I'm going to drink a sip of water real quick. That we're all part of something bigger. And the, and, and, um, the butterfly effects and the fractal universe all play into the same concept of we're part of something bigger. And I want to think of it like this. Okay. So for example, right now there's a lot of conversation around Africa and you know, the effects that, you know, colonization, slavery, and the bigger world at large, what's going on in the world at large is having on Africa. And maybe not everyone is having that conversation is not having those conversations aren't happening every circle, but it's definitely happening. And in the people in, in, in many circles. And so there are effects that are going on, but I believe me part being part of the African community. I believe that in order for things to change in Africa and in the world at large, there has to be the butterfly flapping of the wings and it has to be related to the fractal universe. What do I mean? We can't, what I mean is we can't do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. Let me say that again. We can't do the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. What happens oftentimes is that things will be going badly. People will continue doing the thing that caused them to get into the situation that why things are going badly and people will be resistant to change even though they see that things are going badly and that cycle of whatever has been happening all along, even though other things are changing or whatever, whatever's been happening all along will continue. It'll continue to go in that direction and of, of it being going badly, whatever the case may be, it will continue to go in that direction. Um, because of the fact that, uh, that's what the, that's the, that's the principle of the fractal universe. Things will continue to go in that direction, but the only, but, but I really believe that the only the only way to effect significant change 
to the system must be done through intentional and dramatic opposition to the natural order. And that is not the butterfly flapping its wings, but it's kind of like the butterfly flapping its wings. So the butterfly flapping its wings will, will affect the natural order, but the butterfly is, but, but the, the tendency of the universe is what Newton's law says, which is that an object in motion will stay in motion until it's acted upon by a force equal and opposite or, uh, or greater than that force, like stay in motion until it's acted on by another force or continue in the same direction as going until it's, unless it's acted upon by a diff, another force, um, in the op- opposing force. So you can't expect like, yes, the butterfly flapping its wing is causing tornadoes in Texas, but the butterflies, the natural order of things is for that butterfly to continue flapping its wings and for more butterflies to be given birth to and for more butterflies to flap their wings. So that is the natural order. That is the fractal nature of time. It's it's happening on a small scale. It's happening on a global scale. So that, that thing will continue happening and it'll continue having a domino effect of multiplying more and more tornadoes in Texas and in Texas, in different parts of the world and whatever the, whatever the natural order of things so that small nature of the butterfly flapping its wings, more butterflies being born, more tornadoes, and then more other other things, other things rippling off of the fact that there are tornadoes, off of the fact that there are butterflies. Things will continue in an almost predictable trajectory until somebody or something opposes the natural order in a really strong way. And so th- what I'm trying to say there is like the concept of revolution. For example, we think that revolution looks a certain way. Maybe the revolution for um, all along has been people rising up and yelling and fighting and trying to fight for their fight for their rights towards the uh, the the leaders and the powers that be. However, uh, it doesn't always have to be that way. Sometimes it is absolutely not that way. And one thing is that the natural order has changed society over time. Like the natural order is no longer what it was in 1912. The natural order is no longer what it was in 1842. The natural order is not what it was in 1768. Okay. So whatever it was that caused, like, for example, Napoleon Bonaparte to be able to conquer, um, Europe and, and North Africa is not the same effect. That's not the exact same. Yes. Human nature is the same. Yes. The effects, you know, affecting human behavior is the same. But the, he didn't have the same tools of war that we have today. He didn't have the same tools of mass communication that we have today. He didn't have a lot of the things that we have today. So to believe that the same tools that were used then or the same, that war can be won or revolution can be, can be, can be had in the exact same way or the methods of the systems of revolution will, have, will be expressed in the exact same way as they were back then is a, is a, is a, is a, it's just erroneous. It's just wrong. It's just not true. Um, if we are going to affect change, it, it has, it must be, it will be through drastic and intentional and dramatic opposition to the natural order of things. We may like the natural order of things right now, especially in the United States of America is to protest. Like they've been protesting since, you know, the, since the early 1960s or I don't know how, when they started protesting, but I remember the earliest thing that I know that I've seen is like the Vietnam war, but they had the right to protest since the, the drafting of the constitution in, um, 
1876, I think. I can't remember when the American Constitution was written, but um, there, it's always been written in the Constitution that American citizens had the right to protest. And so that's part of their democratic process. So, but what if protesting has become a joke? And I feel that it has because you, I, I remember the protests that occurred um, a while back and you do, during the, when Trump was being sworn in and all the protests that occurred, nothing changed. Everything is still playing out exactly the way. Why do I think that is the case? I think that's the case because the effect of protesting has lost its potency due to other factors. For example, yes, the flapping of a butterfly wing can cause a tornado in Texas. Um, but what if the, 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 incre- the, the number of, t- like the, it becomes predictable for a butterfly to flap its wings and at, at, out of the natural order of things, we start to resist the nature starts to resist the butterflies flapping of wings. And so in order for the butterfly to have the effect of tornadoes, the way it used to, it's going to have to change its way of doing things as well. So. Perhaps there was a natural order or so perhaps there even exists now a natural order that needs to be updated, that needs to be augmented because we've become immune to the, to what was originally a healthy environment for us. Um, I think that that's how evolution occurs. Um, honestly, I think that's really that choice point thing. I think that's really how evolution occurs. I think it starts with order. It starts with chaos then comes order, then comes an immunity to the order because that's how bacteria, that's how a lot of, if you look at nature, a lot of things happen where it's like, okay, this is the natural order of things. And the cycle happens, the cycle happens, the cycle continues. And then there becomes an immunity to the order. It becomes like almost boring for nature. And then maybe like the, the, maybe a certain animal will overhunt a certain particular other animal. And then it'll create an imbalance because now there's an overpopulation of, you know, a, the, the predator and the prey is now going extinct, for example. And as a result, the predator will now start to go extinct because there was no, you know, nothing to curtail the predator. The predator became dominant. The predator became stronger due to the natural order. And even the predator might die out. Maybe the predator wasn't able to adapt. So adapting becomes a really important feature of, uh, of, 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 uh, nature and humans adapt. And so we all have to adapt in general. So adapting becomes a very important feature in nature. And so, uh, I think adapting is also part of evolution and people say a mutation happens or whatever, at a certain point, the mutation can come from a lot of different things. It could be random. It could be something that happens as a result of something else. But at the end of the day, you have to, we, we, the, the thing I'm trying to, the point I'm trying to make is that if people want revolution, so there's a lot of people who complain about like, you know, right now the rich get richer and the poor get poorer. But in order for there to be a real and significant change, there has to be a intentional and dramatic opposition to the natural order. Like Greg Braden calls it a choice point. People have to make the decision to do things differently. And so if the natural, whatever, what is it? So the question of the day is what is the natural order for you? The natural order may be like, if you want to lose weight and you spent your whole life just eating and sitting and watching TV, and that's just been the way you've lived your life. 
then your this is your choice point, your opportunity to change the natural order by deciding I'm going to eat differently. You have to literally oppose the natural order. You have to push against it. You have to act differently. You have to choose differently. You have to, and and when and you're going to receive resistance. You're going to if like opposing the natural order is going to cause resistance. You are going to want to stop. You're going to want to quit. Why? Because the natural order, your natural tendency, your natural inclination is to go in a certain direction. That is just how it is. Your natural inclination is going to go is going to be to go in a certain direction and you're not going to want to continue in that direction. You're just not. You I mean you're going to want to continue in that direction. You just are. And then um so in order for you to so you have to really get everything, all your ducks in order, your mind in order, everything has to align with you being ready to stand against the wave and let the wave beat you and beat you and you stand there and let the wave beat you and not move. And it will be it will be as you stand there letting the wave beat you. The wave itself will have to move around you and things will change. So so that's pretty much what I'm saying. You have to resist the natural order in order for a change to occur. A choice point. You can't do things the same way. Even like a kid who was doing poorly in school. You can't like the natural order of the, the natural tendency is to just go to school and keep being who you are. Keep staying in school. I mean, keep, um, keep just not just being who you are, but you know, keep hanging out with friends, keep just do what everyone else around you is doing. But that's not, if you want to change your community, you can't keep doing what everybody else in your community is doing. You have to do something different. And it's not just about being an example to them. It's about literally making a change. Somebody has to stand up and say, I'm not going to do what everyone else is doing. You're not going to make a difference by doing what everyone else is doing. You're going to keep getting the same result. So when, when you get opposition, when you're trying to do things differently, the only thing you can do is to keep standing, keep fighting, keep, um, you know, standing for what the change that you want to see being the change you want to see in the world. So I really believe that being the change you want to see in the world is literally the one and only way to change the dynamic of the, 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 the natural order of things to dis to displace the natural order of things. Be the change you want to see in the world. Resist the natural order. Resist it. Resist it. This has been Adochi with the Physics of Life and Love podcast. Tune in next time. We'll just, you know, subscribe to this podcast so you know when the next one comes out. Um, we don't really, I don't really record regularly, but I try whenever I, um, I try to, I tried to get my sister to do it regularly with me, but now I just pop on whenever I can. But, but subscribe to this podcast so you know when the next one comes out. And I will talk to you. See you in the universe somewhere. Bye.